1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: It's all everybody that I've been talking to is talking about. My interview yesterday with Chad Hartman for Feisty Friday. Um, We chatted about fun stuff like we always do. We laugh and joke. And then We took a commercial break and came back for a second segment. Now, let me just tell you something about Feisty Friday. It is never scripted. Like Chad never calls and says, this is what's going on. Make sure you read up on this. This is what's happening. Make sure you uh, know about one subject or another. So I really have to be well-versed in uh, what is going on in pop culture, politics, sports. You just never know uh, what he is going to ask me about. And so he said, I've got a new poll that I'm going to tell you about. Um, it's a poll uh, that was taken. Uh, Trump voters says say racism against white Americans is a bigger problem than racism against black Americans. And then he said, go. And I was like, OK, let me think about this for a minute, because I hadn't seen the poll at the time and, and I didn't know what the questions were about, but the poll was following the dismissal of a lawsuit put forth by the survivors of the Tulsa race massacre, which um, many saw and should be uh, as a potential blueprint for reparations. Now, these black people in Tulsa, uh, they were called the black wall street. They had business owners for miles, laundromats, and car washes and bakeries and seamstress and, um, banks, and they were a self-contained neighborhood, and they were building generational wealth, something that we were just talking about Minneapolis Council President Andrea Jenkins about on this show. And, and and we were already on our second generation of families who were running their own businesses. And white residents in Tulsa got absolutely mad that these black people had created an entire ecosystem for their community to build wealth. These were homeowners and they went in and not only burned down their businesses and their homes, but they slaughtered hundreds of black people in this, these United States of America. And sadly it's not in history books. I was talking to Corey Heppler on this station, live on the radio. And when I mentioned the Tulsa race massacre, he had no idea what I was talking about. And this is a man with a college degree. And sadly, many people don't know. So when you say we live in the greatest country in the world, excuse me, child. Not only did this happen, but we conveniently forgot about it. So are y'all mad at what they're saying in the history books down in Florida and how Ron DeSantis and and his team of of educators are, uh, you know, putting language in there that says slavery benefited black people? I've been mad for years. Not about what they're saying, but what about they're not saying. How they're not teaching our kids and you and me about the Tulsa race massacre. So this poll comes out and and white Trump supporters uh, overwhelmingly say uh, that they have been discriminated against. They feel uh, that there's a form of reverse racism that is going on, especially the men, that is causing them to miss out on opportunities. And this is just a portion of what I said yesterday on the radio. There's so many initiatives happening right now. To benefit everybody but white men, you know, I was with v and they were doing bipop and women-owned businesses and they were giving away money. I was with Comcast and they were doing bipop and women-owned businesses and, and you know they were they they had initiatives and, and some programming and, and some pre-workshops. So they might as well say everybody but white man, right? So if I was a white man, I'd be like, well, well, hey, oh, wait a minute, where's my spot? Where's my part? Why is all of this stuff for everybody but me? So I, I, can, I can understand how they feel that way. But what I also need them to understand um, is that for so long, only a, a certain percentage of our population, primarily white men, have gotten a piece of the pie have had the access to the wealth, have had the access and the legacy of college admission, um, have had the privilege of getting these forgivable loans that nobody else even knew existed. And so they were able to build wealth and live in neighborhoods that the government didn't drive highways through, um, have businesses that they were able to pass down to their children. Um, and, and everybody else just sat back and watched No, everybody else wanted the same thing, but they didn't have access to it. So now that we see how unfair our great country has been, there's finally a a few people in in office um, in positions of power who say, well, wait a minute, let's fix this, let's make this right, because for generations, uh, people who are not white men, have not had the privilege of the access that these white men have had. So we talked about that and people weighed in on social media and I heard from so many folks, um, uh, you know, Jim Platten and John Shannon, uh, white men who said, bravo. I don't think I could have said it better. And so one of my, uh, favorite white men is joining the show. Now somebody I have worked with out in community. He was instrumental in helping me, uh, Formed the Black Entrepreneurs Day at the Capitol on February 3rd, that historic event that drew hundreds of black business owners to the Capitol to meet with top legislators, including the governor and lieutenant governor. Uh, Brian McDaniel is joining me on uh, the John Schuster Caldwell Banker hotline. Now, I know you listen to that segment. I want you to weigh in on what you heard.
0: Ms. Shaletta, when is it my turn? When does <laughs> when does the white man finally get his due? Hello. That's what I want to know. How are you? <laughs> Thanks for having me back. No, I it, you know th- this this topic, I mean you you your reasoning, your explanation spot on. I I have no notes to give you um on it. And it, it it's 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 when we're choosing Winners and losers, whoever is on the short end of that stick is not going to like it, and we probably just shouldn't expect them to like it. And over the years, there is going to be a push and a pull. There's going to be times of feast and famine. Um, But one thing that you were able to tie back to that is so important in this is talking about actual things that are reasonably provable, like what happened in Rondo here in Minnesota, certainly with uh, the Tulsa massacre, where it wasn't a case of black people just not being willing to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. But when the government and the people actively Actively tried to keep them from, you know, becoming, you know, you know, equal members of, of mm-hmm. in the, you know, the economic society, and, you know, there are, you know, we can always, we always judge other groups by their worst actors and ourselves by uh, our best intentions. Mm-hmm. I think actually George W. Bush might have said that, but, um, you know, but when we're talking about Things like affirmative action, when we're talking about about you know you know quotas for college one way or the other, I think it is important that we talk about it in a historical case because it's not just trying to say, well you know you know you know black people aren't doing as well as white people we got to help them. That's not what affirmative action was meant to do. It was meant to help people who were you know, actively put in a disadvantageous position to get them not to a position of, you know, superiority over a majority group, but to try to equal it out. And um, um, one thing that that I think also needs to be added to um, what you're talking about is uh, separate but equal when it came to education. Mm. Because, you know, especially when we're talking about college admissions um you know there there has been historically a real problem with making sure that schools that white people go to are equal not in funding because frankly the truth is the government gives a lot more money Mm -hmm. to minneapolis and saint paul than they do to you know lakeville and eden prairie so it's not government funding but making sure that the outcomes and everything around it, which is not just bricks and mortar and books, but, you know, the economics of the family, to, to, to add that into the debate. And and, and before anyone says, well, Shaletta, you know, you brought on another white liberal who's going to you know try to try to, you know, fix his white guilt by pandering to your community, uh, you'll be the first one to tell everybody. Please tell him. I'm a- I'm a Republican. Yes,
2: he is. You, know, you want to
0: say? You want to know what kind of Republican? I'm the kind of Republican that worked for the, the you know the Minnesota um, uh, Republican Caucus in the uh, House of Representatives for six years. I'm the kind of Republican that uh, worked for Governor Palanti in the Department of Economic uh, Department of uh, Employment and Economic Development. I'm the kind of Republican that was on Almanac last night as one of the Republicans. So this is not <laughs> something. This is not something where where um, you know where I, I'm not coming from a position of being able to see both sides. I can, and you know, can things go too far? Hundred mm-hmm. percent. You know. You know. Are there things where we start saying that? Well, we're gonna. You know that that Asian students don't deserve you know you know there are there are things we can talk about here, but fundamentally, there is a reason why we have affirmative action. And uh, you know it is rooted in the things and the uh, that you just brought up.
2: Yeah, and and I'm gonna take a quick break. But when we come back, what I didn't know that I found out once we chatted was you teach a class. You're gonna talk to me about this class because I knew that you were a lobbyist. I did not know you were an educator. This man has so many tricks and, and up his sleeve, and he is not a one trick pony. I gotta figure out what this class is all about because I definitely want to be in the back of the room or fly on the wall because i know you are dropping knowledge daily we're talking to brian mcdaniel with hilden advocacy and law on the chaletta show more when we come back the thing about working in radio is just because the microphone is off doesn't mean the conversations are over um earlier this um show i was talking to the folks at comcast about the expansion in wyzetta and i heard from amir who said this is great for small businesses. And he talked about, you know, how some companies are cutting services and cutting back and how Comcast is expanding and how he appreciates that. Um, I I heard from Nancy uh, on Facebook Messenger who said, I'm listening to the show. So, So just because the microphones are off doesn't mean that we're not still talking. So yesterday, Chad Hartman engaged me in a conversation for Feisty Friday about a new poll out Uh, where they poll Trump supporters and Trump voters. Uh, And these white men predominantly says racism is a bigger problem for white folks than it is for black folks. And and here's just a little snippet of my response yesterday. And so now these programs and initiatives are coming out and and a lot of people, especially the, the Trump supporters who are traditionally white men, are saying, well, wait a minute, this is not fair. This is, they're getting mm-hmm. all this stuff. This is wrong. This is not right. Well, guess what? It's called the shoes on the other foot, because that's exactly what we've been looking at for 400 years. We've been saying this ain't right. This ain't fair. How are they getting all this stuff? Why are we not included? It don't feel good, does it? It, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. But somebody's got to right the wrong. Somebody's got to level the playing field and make things even. And that's what you're seeing now. You see, you're see, seeing it's not reparations, but we're trying to repair some of the wrongs that have been done in this country with programs and initiatives and grants and services and resources. And that's not coming your way because you always had that. So that's the problem is that you always had it. So you thought everybody else had it, but we didn't. We were on the outside looking in. And so The the whole time we were saying about white men all this time, that's not fair. How is it that they're able to get the PPP loan when the COVID happened and black women-owned businesses got in the queue? How is it that they get forgivable loans to start their company? How is it that they're able to get into a college just because of what their last name is? That's not fair. So now you see what it feels like when things aren't going your way. And so when my friend Brian McDaniel from Hilden Advocacy and Law heard the discussion, heard the conversation, had to come on the show to talk about it, and we were engaging over the phone yesterday, he tells me, I didn't know this, I thought I knew him, apparently I do not, he teaches a class, okay, stop, red light, let's sit right here and park the car, Brian, what class are you teaching? I had no idea.
0: Yeah, uh since uh, 2015, uh every fall, uh, I teach American government uh at Concordia University St. Paul. And uh I it is absolutely uh one of my favorite things and you know as somebody who works in politics, but, you know my real job is in politics, you know, by the time the legislative session is over, I hate politics. I want want nothing to do with it. I'm discouraged. It's dirty. It's gross. And then every fall, I get to teach, you know, 17, 18, 19-year-olds about what our government is supposed to do and what it can do, and it makes me fall back in love with our You know, our founding documents and with our government, at least what the promise of our government is. Uh, And then I go into every new legislative session, uh, energized, and then they beat it out of me again.
2: (laughs) Now tell me this, how are you able to do that? How are you able to get down in the muck and the mire and go through this system and then come out and have something positive to say to these young people who want to get in the profession uh, where you make your living?
0: Well, you know what it is, you know, I think people who are on all sides of these debates Never actually went back and read the Constitution, read the Declaration of Independence. They focus on who wrote it and who has implemented, you know the things that are in our foundational documents. Um, and they they don't see kind of how beautiful the documents are as written. Uh, the promise that is within our country, what we could achieve. And when I read these documents, when I go back and see what they could have said and don't, and what they do say, I, I, I fall in love with them. You know, you know, I learn new. I learn new things every year. I've been doing this, boy, twenty five years. I've been mm-hmm. you know, working in politics. You know, even longer if you count being a lawyer. And uh, you know, I learn new things every year. And as society changes. You know what the documents mean. Change. You know Donald Trump um, has changed the way we interact with the Constitution. Um, you know not always for the better. You know I'll be the first one to admit that. But um, you know a lot of things that we used to say, you know, weren't possible or possible. And um, you know I I I, I, lo- I love teaching. I love it. I love seeing. You know that glimmer of hope in uh, in uh, an 18 year old's eyes that their government isn't just something for somebody else that it can hold something for them and the other thing I'll say Shaletta is that for you know you and I talked a lot about this when we were working on the you know black entrepreneurs day but the government is there to help in a lot of ways uh, it gets in the way sometimes but mm-hmm. it's there to help but if you don't believe That the government is your government well you're not even going to know how to access all of the different programs that are out there so one of the things i really implore your listeners and you know young people growing up is don't assume that this government belongs to somebody else just because other people pretend like it does this government is for all of us and it's there to be taken by the people who are willing to show up. So show up and, uh, and um, you know, get in positions of power and then you get to make decisions and those decisions can help you, your family and your community.
2: Okay. But how do we um, teach people that um, this government is for them? Because when we held that black entrepreneurs Day at the Capitol, it was very difficult to get people down there. Some of them hadn't been there since high school um, mm-hmm. because they went on a tour And the reason that they don't want to come is because they feel like it won't make a difference. They've seen time and time again, and you and I have talked about this, how these politicians will come into the black church when it's time to vote, pat us on the head, have lunch with us after worship service, make all these promises, and then we don't see or hear from them again until it's time to vote again. And and so the access that we get to these politicians and that we get to these decision makers in our community is only when they need something from us. So it's always has been, Brian, a transactionary uh, relationship. You want my vote? Come to my church. You want my vote? Then you're going to have to spend some time in our congregation. Come to my church. Uh, you know, look at the things that we have going on. Consider us and remember us. And then once that vote happens, once that thing takes place, there's no access. There's no communication. There's no commitment to the promise that was made. And this has gone on since we've been voting.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, one thing I'll say is now traditionally the African-American vote, you know, you know, we're talking like, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, um, you know, has belonged to the Democratic Party and they have been very loyal. The community has been very loyal. Um, now, what I would say is, and this is, you know, world according to Brian, how has the your community benefited by you know ha- being under almost exclusive democrat control you know in, in you know most inner cities all of those things you know you know the you know, right now the federal government even under president obama how have things gotten better what that tells me is mm-hmm. the black community vote needs to be for sale because you ain't kidding. A, trans- a transaction Where you give something and don't get something is a pretty bad deal. But if the Democrats know that they have your vote no matter what, well, then do they have to deliver for you? Um, Republicans have done a terrible job, an abysmal job of trying to lure communities of color into voting with them so i'm not saying they're giving you a ton of reasons to right. look their way and that's
2: why people brian they feel stuck so how do you yeah. break the mold because you know you know the thing was when 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 biden was running against trump um you know one of my concerns was hey uh we you know this was before he picked kamala harris to be his, his vice presidential candidate and i'm sure that that was um you know because he wanted to to and needed Uh, black women voters. Right. Um, You know, I was like, well, what is he? He has, he's no, I don't feel a connection. This is a, another year of transactional relationships with, with my vote. And and so somebody said, well, you want to go from the frying pan to the fire? Because if you vote for Trump, then then what's going to happen to you? Then, um, you know, when you start to look at his record with Black women, and I said, wow, you know, so, so what options do we have? And, and that's what Brian honestly keeps a lot of people from voting because they feel like I don't have any options. They don't care anything about me. They don't care about my community. I'm not going to see them after this election cycle, and and these streets are always going to have potholes, and, and these the crime is going to always be bad. The funding's never going to make it our way. Uh, they're not going to invest anything until they're ready to gentrify or build a rail, and then we'll see a couple of Starbucks pop up, and then we'll know they're about to move us up out of here. Yeah.
0: Well, it, you know, it's it's not easy, and it's going to take a long time. But it, it has to do with organizing at the local level, infiltrating, you know, becoming part of, you know, groups that are different than than what, you you know, the black community has been a part of and then getting into positions of power within those groups and slowly over time. And I know that nothing nothing is fun that is slow and over time, but you start getting better choices than Biden versus Trump. Mm -hmm. Who's excited about that? Right. I mean, certainly not the majority of people. Um, and in the greatest country in the world, which I still believe that we had a choice between two candidates that uh were that that, that, that didn 't represent us mm-hmm. who had been in either you know these these you know seventy almost eighty year old white men who come from wealth and privilege, you know, talking to, you know, not just your community, but, you know, people like me saying that, you know, I'm here for you. No, you want to use my vote to, you know, to, you know, give yourself power mm-hmm. to, to make your name bigger and more important. And, and, and that shouldn't happen. But when's the last time we had a candidate? that we were excited to vote for. It's
2: been a minute.
0: (laughs) It's been been too long. It's been too long. So I'm working within my groups to try try to make them more friendly, inviting, welcoming to uh, other communities. I hope that everyone else is open to those opportunities and that eventually we're going to be in the same rooms talking to each other because that's why white people think that, Discrimination is happening to them because they're not talking to black people Mm. and black people think that white people are only looking to to hurt them because they're not talking to white people. But when you get together and you find out that there are similar struggles, there are similar backgrounds, then it's a lot harder to hate, label and blame other people. Yeah. And that's what we don't do. That's what we don't do in America anymore. We don't yeah. talk to people that we don't already agree with.
2: Well, I'm so glad you are talking to me. I'm so glad you came on this show today. I tell you, folks are lighting my phone up. This conversation this is going to be going on for days to come. I'm sure John Shannon uh, with the taxi stand hour, he and Ed are going to pull some some sound bites and put it on their podcast on Sunday morning. I'm going to have to sneak out of church just so I could listen to it. Brian <laughs> McDaniel with Hilden Advocacy and Law. Thank you for being on the show.